0: Hi there, Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using your creativity to improve your life. This episode is a great example of what can happen when you follow the divine creative afflatus that arises within you and take the path to your true self by following your creativity where it wants you to go. This is an interview with... Martin Wishkin. He is a voice actor. He used to live a very corporate life, stuck in the wage cage, very unfulfilling, very unsatisfied job, until one day he was made redundant and he decided that he was going to not go back to the corporate world, but was going to take a gamble on himself and find out what he was actually capable of by following his creativity where it needed to take him. It's a perfect example, I think, Of The kind of thing this podcast is trying to get people to understand, which is that if you develop this creative attitude that we all have when we're being real, then you will improve your life because you'll be more open to life, you'll build better relationships with yourself and others, and you will ultimately find that everything you need is in you and you just need to share it with the world and give it to the world. That might sound a bit kind of wishy-washy, but if you listen to this episode... You're going to be quite inspired, I think, um, especially if you're on a a crossroads in your own life or you need to take a gamble. You need to basically dive into life by diving into yourself. Um, I won't say too much more, but if you like this podcast, um, give us a review, uh, get in touch if you know any more guests. And otherwise, I just hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much to Martin for being so open and so candid with his story. Here we go. Um, I really hope you get some value. I think you will. Oh, hi there, Martin. Thank you for joining me today on Creative Status. Um, This conversation, I think, is going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to hopefully get some new insight about your creative process, but also, hopefully, uh, some insight about the creative journey you took from being enslaved, maybe that's a bit of hyperbole, but being working in the wage cage in the corporate world to running your own creative business, as a voiceover artist um, we had a quick chat previously and it sounds like that was quite an interesting journey you had some discoveries along the way before we get started have you got anything that you'd like to share with us or would you even like to introduce yourself that's what i should have said and uh, tell us what you're all about and that kind of thing
1: yeah, absolutely. I'll just say um a quick hello. My name is Martin Wiskin and I'm a, a voiceover artist. Um very much from the the wage cage that you or the what the, the, was it the yeah, it was the wage cage, wasn't it, that you mentioned there. Yeah, yeah, Um and totally feel that. and 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 now I'm very much free from that. Uh yeah, and it feels liberating. Also.
0: That's um very interesting to me. This whole podcast is actually about how you can use your creativity to take yourself from an unreal situation, as I call them, to a real situation. An unreal situation is just one where you're kind of living by somebody else's rules. Maybe you don't feel like you own yourself. You're not in control of your own life to the extent that you want to be. And uh, a real situation is obviously the opposite of that. You've stepped up, you've taken a more active approach to life, and you're using your creativity as a vehicle to kind of go into a deeper experience of whatever real life means to you. I don't know if that little uh, rant that I've just taken you on is a kind of abridged version of the journey you've been on over the last couple of years.
1: I I think so, yeah. It's like when I, the the last job I worked in, and you know, not to say there was no good times because, because there was, you know, I got on with the people there, but it was quite a small company, as was the one before that actually, based around the same sort of thing so it was run by a guy and he employed family that sort of thing and it always felt like i was paying for their amazing lifestyle um (laughs) and nothing to do with you know uh, maybe that's a bit bit extreme but you know if if you're paying for for the bosses to to drink 300 bottle uh, sorry 300 pound bottles of water at home um, that don't get shared around the office, you know. That that's when it starts to get a bit. Um, it, it grinds you down a bit. Um, mm-hmm. and but but again, it was it was a job. It was a, a means to an end. Money, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I it's understandable that uh, people end up in these situations. Like we all need money. We have to pay the bills. But I think a lot of the time we only end up in those kind of situations because we haven't necessarily been able to trust in ourselves and believe in ourselves as much as maybe we could do if we would been real with ourselves. I think, you know, there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs that people have. There's a lot of cynicism and, you know, those kind of things that cause us to believe that there's no other option besides doing that kind of thing, making somebody else rich, basically putting, money in the boss's pocket when we're just expendable they don't really care about us and of course it starts to grind away at us it's it's not particularly pleasant and a lot of people unless they wake up to their own power or whatever you want to call it they spend their lives just getting ground down more and more and more until um you know they they eventually retire and then that's it they drop dead so how did you you know start to wake up and take yourself out of this situation was there a You know, was there some kind of an epiphany that you had or something? What made you realize that enough was enough and you were going to focus on your own thing? I
1: I was just thinking about what what you were saying there. And actually what what happened was I was made redundant from that corporate career. Um, (laughs) But I I remember kind of thinking, oh my God, you know, I've been made redundant a couple of times before that too. I was thinking, first thought was great, another redundancy, got to go and find another job. Mm. But after a couple of days, I started to think, that, that it you know it doesn't have to be like that you don't have mm-hmm. to to run back to the office yes, it would be easy and comfortable but like we said you know you're 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 paying for someone else's lifestyle you're you're a cog in a machine you don't see what happens before or after your part you know for for the mm-hmm. most part with with me anyway um and I, I think probably I just didn't want want to do that anymore I wanted I was really attracted to the idea of doing something for myself and I was in yeah. in bands for years and years and years and, and the only person that I'm still friends with actually now from my all my years in bands he once said to me if anyone out of all of us could could start their own business it would be you and I always remembered that and I think I, I just thought well maybe maybe now is the time um and at this point I didn't I didn't know what that business would be, so mm. I, I i was I was never of the of the mind that I was, despite all my years as a, a musician who who also took photos, made videos, all that sort of stuff. It was always just uh, there was a purpose behind that. You know, I, I was in a band, so the band needed photos, so I did the photos. There was never any. I'm a photographer. Wow, look how I composed that image or the leading lines in there, the rule of thirds. There was no. <laughs> sort of analysis of the creativity, if that makes sense. I just did it because we needed pictures. Um, and I think that comes from the, as I was a database manager, very structural, very process orientated, and it was always just a part of a process. Um, and, and I think that's what why I was sort of blind to the fact that I was creative for for many years
0: yeah it it sounds like then you were just kind of initially just kind of going through the motions of just kind of doing what's expected of us in society so you know we're supposed to get a job and then if we lose the job we go find another job and that's what most people are like it's a very passive way of being but then you found yourself on this crossroads after being made redundant again and Maybe because you'd been made redundant a few times before, you started to kind of click that, okay, why am I in this situation again? It doesn't necessarily need to be this way. So you started to take a more active approach and you took your life into your own hands a little bit more because of the necessity of being on that crossroads, but not wanting to go back into that situation.
1: I think that's very much it. There there was a a, a moment for me where I thought, right, you know, because I had. I had a house with a mortgage and bills, um, and thinking about children. But actually, I, I, we had our first one a year before I was made redundant. I think so. There was the fear of having to rush back to the easy life of of corporate because it would mean that continual wage slip coming, which is, you know, I'm not going to deny that that I probably miss that forever, to be honest. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, I've sorry, I've kind of lost my track now, um. Yeah, there, there was kind of there could have been fear. I think is what I was going to say about this moment, but I, I, I really felt that it was time to try something different, try something for myself, reward you know, get the rewards for myself and and those around me, rather than you know getting that getting that money and continuing the same thing over and over. Um, and, and when I got made redundant, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just kind of realised that I didn't want to continue doing the same thing every day.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a you know, really big starting point for most people when they realise what they don't want to do. I know I know that sounds almost too simplistic, but just reaching that stage where you just know, right, I really don't want to do this eventually that sends your brain in the other direction and you have to start thinking about what you want to do instead. And I think a lot of people, they end up stuck in the wage cage because if they don't, um, if they don't hit rock bottom and they have that, um, they make that, they reach that crisis point where they have to make a decision. They're just kind of floating around a few feet off the air and, um, they don't actually have to, they don't reach the stage where they realize they don't want this. They just kind of tolerate it. They accept it. They mm-hmm. become complacent. And so it's actually a blessing if you do hit rock bottom and it allows you to um, go on that creative trajectory, start making creative decisions. Yeah. When you look, sorry, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, if I hadn't have been made redundant, I mean, it was totally out of the the control of of the workers shall we say because new mm-hmm. laws came in affected the business that the bosses didn't do anything about um but i think if i hadn't been made redundant i, I probably would still be doing the same thing yeah now yeah. yeah and that's quite a scary thought
0: yeah it's crazy like i i've had some similar things in my life like in the past where i've just been going through the motions kind of and if certain things hadn't happened, so in my case, I, I got an illness and it just made me kind of reconfigure my whole life. If that hadn't happened, I would have just been going through the same old patterns again and again and again, probably until I died because you you begin to identify with those patterns. You start to think this this is the way it is, but on a deeper level, you think this is who I am. And because that identity, kind of enshrouds us and it becomes a filter for everything that we do, we just totally forget about all the other options that are out there. And even if we're not completely satisfied with the situation, not that we can be continuously completely satisfied always, but even if we're not relatively happy with the situation or it doesn't fill us with life, we just tolerate it because we think that's what we need to do. And so these um, crisis points where you end up know, hitting rock bottom and having to make a decision i think that they're always a blessing if you can see them in a real way or a creative way which means that you dig into the the opportunities that are down there and the lessons that you can learn there as well and it sounds like you did both of those things so you saw there was an opportunity to to do your own thing and you learned the lessons about you know the wage cage itself and who you are and all that kind of stuff and that set you off on this new path, which is active instead of passive.
1: Yeah. And, and it's been so revitalizing, you know, mm. it's, it's, I, I'm a completely different person to, to what I was then too. So I, I would never, I mean, there would never have been the opportunity to go and chat on a podcast like this when I was a database manager, just because, you know, nobody knew, knew who I was. There was no reason for me to get in touch with anybody to do this sort of thing. Mm. But now... I think nothing of it you want to do a podcast yeah let's go for it and it's it's kind of really brought me out of myself if Mm. if that makes sense so brought me out of my old self um perhaps the 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 untrue self like you were saying about you know it's driven into us about this this smart get a job you know at all costs sort of sort of attitude that is drilled into us from from a young age you know, I remember mm. at, at school very much it was, you finish school, you either go to university and get a job or you finish school and get a job. There was no sort of, uh, yeah, and it was always focused towards traditional jobs, you know, like accountancy, mm. fi- you know, anything to do with finance, property, all of that sort of stuff. Very, from what I remember, and you know, this is going back a while, um, and I hope it's different now, um, but yeah, it was very traditional and never pushed towards anything, shall we say, a bit more interesting.
0: Mm. I, I can totally relate. When I went to school, it was the same thing. So you, you go to school, you do, you, well, you do your GCSEs in the UK, you do your A-levels, go to university if you want to, or like you said, you get a job, and then that's that. And um, yeah, if you just – I think this is the thing. Like Most people, they set out following that path, like we said, because it's, it's just what's expected – in society there's all these shoulds you should do this you should do that you should do this you should do that and because this is kind of drilled into us from an early age and because the majority of people are following these shoulds a lot of people give up on their creativity and then give up on themselves because they feel almost selfish if they don't do that or they feel that they're not being grateful for you know the the amazing blessings that come from filling in the spreadsheets and the regular paycheck and all that kind of stuff. Um, Obviously, you know, if that works for you, it works for you. But for a lot of people, the people that do feel like they're trapped, I think that's um, when they need to go on this path that you've put yourself on, which is, you know, to realize there is another way. So Mm -hmm. when you look back then, so you were on the crossroads, you realized, right, I can either go back to the old way of being, which is, to be kind of just passive, I guess, in the, the language I'm using. Um, I'm gonna do what I've been told basically. The sensible thing, yeah. the risk-free thing would be to go get another job in the same kind of uh, industry, whatever it is. But I'm not feeling very sensible today. I'm gonna to take this other path and um, you know, follow my creativity or whatever it is that you called it at the time. When you look at those two directions, What are the personal qualities that each of those paths would have asked you to kind of embody in yourself, if if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I think so. What I was thinking there was, and it's almost unbelievable that it happened, that I chose the the harder direction. Um, Mm. I, I think bravery is the word that came to mind first because I had a partner and a kid. So, I have to say to my partner, right, I'm not just going to go and get a job now. I'm going to try something completely different that I've never done before, got no experience in, and let's hope it works for the sake mm. of our house and family. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and fortunately, she was absolutely fine with it, which was, took, uh, you know, took a lot of that, I guess, any sort of anxiety or fear away about making the decision. So, I think it was certainly because of who I used to be, mm. I feel that was a really brave step to just think, sod it, I, I'm going to try something. And oh. I, I, you know, I had no idea at that point. Um, the other way, going the other direction would have been a case of accepting, uh, I don't want to say normality, but ac- accepting just like we've spoken about, what what is perhaps expected of you. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think um, wow. family, uh, sorry, wider family like parents and siblings, that sort of thing probably thought at the time what on earth is he doing you know trying to become a voiceover artist (laughs) he doesn't like he doesn't like talking to people why is he going to do it for a living um and actually i should probably clarify that when i said i don't like talk or didn't like talking to people i I was just very shy when i was growing up and and into my work life um Mm. and like i said i definitely wouldn't have been recording a podcast with someone i've only spoken to once on zoom um Mm. Now I think nothing of it. So I think looking to the going back to the corporate straight away would have been kind of, I want to say weak in a way. I feel I'm, I'm being a bit nasty to myself there, but a bit weak, just accepting a life that I wasn't really happy with.
0: Yeah. Like, thank you for sharing all this stuff. So like candidly, by the way, because obviously Mm. we're kind of digging into your psychology now, but I think that's, what you've shared is just really interesting and it's a great template, I think, for this path in general. So I think you sharing your story is actually really valuable to people that are maybe on that crossroads already, mm. or they, they're waiting to take a leap of faith, something like that. Yeah. I think as you were you know, sharing all that, I think in a way the word weak, it, it could be construed as being nasty to yourself, but at the same time, it's kind of true because this the strength it took to take that leap of faith and to kind of trust yourself and trust reality and to just go into the unknown, I think that strength is is very real. I think we all have that strength, but it gets hidden behind all these kind of mental blocks and all this kind of bullshit that we have in our heads that causes us to hold back. And when we hold back, that's when we end up in these situations where we've just been passive and we've been told what to do. So the way that I'm thinking about this kind of crossroads you're, you've you been on or you were on, you're not on it now, but the crossroads ultimately was the difference between going back to the wage cage, which is um, the path of just being, just doing what you, you're told, you've already been told you're capable of, you're told you're expected to do. Basically, it's a pathway the world Or society in general are telling you who you are but then the other path into you know the more active way of being or the more creative way of being that path is about learning who you really are if that makes Mm -hmm. sense so so the options are you get told who you are or you actually go and find out
1: yeah and and i think that's absolutely spot on like uh, i think I, I was in bands a lot of the time whilst I was in the corporate world, and I think I always dreamed that that would be me. You know, if if we somehow with the Golden Bullet got signed to a, a major record label or anything like, that. let's you know, I'll be honest, it was never going to happen. Um, but but we can, you know, we we dreamt that it, that it would. Um, but yeah, I think finding finding out and learning who I was mm. was really wow. I, I I always I, I quite often talk about it to people that there was still like a corporate hangover I kind of called it because when I was going to events to try and tell people about my my new business going to networking events that sort of thing looking back now I was very rigid and very I would dress smartly I would be polite I would firm handshake and talk about business to business people because that's mm. what I thought that you had to do to do mm. to run a business um, and it's only through a process of realizing that I, I really, I think maybe because the 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 work side of voiceover, like the, the actual doing, is is quite creative, I started to realize that I was lying to people at these events and on social media by portraying this very professional, mm. business like appearance, um, and you know. I, I have to be professional in my work, but I want people to know who I am. I like to, I'm very down to earth. I like to have a laugh, but I wasn't showing that to anyone. Mm. So at the beginning, I was very, I, I guess, stuck in my ways that weren't my ways. They were just sort of enforced upon me because that's how you behave in offices.
0: Mm. that That's really interesting in itself because I suppose... In, in the earlier part of that journey onto the, the path of learning who you are and then expressing that and all that kind of stuff a lot of your assumptions about what the world was like, the world of business in this case they were um, they'd been colored by your experiences you know in the corporate world in the, in the wage cage and so you had to kind of play a character in order it was it, basically you were playing a character, like you were learning to ride a bike and the character was the stabilizers, something like that. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? So, so I it gave think... you, yeah, sorry.
1: No, absolutely. And, and actually playing that sort of professional business character, in a way, it is related to voiceover. So maybe there's something now there I was doing it also because wow. every every script you are embodying someone else. You know, I'm never me in a script unless, you know, unless I'm doing it for myself. It's always uh, you're playing so-and-so from this company talking about our services. Um, so I wonder if I was putting on sort of a, 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 literally a character face there talking to people at these events. Whereas I should yeah. have been just being myself.
0: I, I suppose the uh, the only way to figure out whether it was a, like a real character or an unreal character is—is is if it got you the results that you wanted, or, yeah, or really ju- it, 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 it really didn't. It really didn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, um, and but it took a while to for me to realise that I was sitting at home thinking, mm. "Where is everyone?" You know, this is this is more solitary than I thought. Voice, you know, voiceover is a solitary job, but it's more solitary than I thought at the beginning. Um, I was getting no one you know, getting in touch after meeting me. I wasn't getting any traction online, like I'm posting on LinkedIn with what I was saying because it was all very dull. Mm. Um, And I I started to see, it was probably lockdown actually that made me realize that businesses aren't just businesses. There's people, real people behind those businesses. Mm. Um, And it kind of opened my eyes to to what i should be doing um or or let's rephrase that because it makes it sound like it's you know i should be doing this but what i wanted to do it opened my eyes to what i i could do um mm. because i was meeting people who were having a laugh having a good time despite covid happening at, you know at that point but the 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 point is that i'm trying to make i think is i realized this other way is possible mm. You know, just be yourself, talk to people like you would talk to your mates. Um, There's no sort of grand sort of mathematical formula to to do business with people. You just have to get along and and build relationships.
0: Yeah, I think um, the same thing. Like something I always throw out there is this little phrase, real always works. Like people have a tendency to overcomplicate things. Uh, it's human nature i guess like it keeps us in our egos but anyway real always works just means in mo- in all situations if you're real that is going to create a true connection between you and the, the people that you're dealing with and by creating that relationship because of the connection you're going to get better results anyway so a lot of the time when we, we're walking around with this kind of um i suppose uh, we're walking around as a result of our brainwashing from the corporate world we only focus on getting results we become outcome dependent we think right if i'm going to get certain results from my business i need to look a certain way i need to talk a certain way i need to do this i need to do that but all of those things are are missing the vital ingredient of relationships because they're just focused on the results so if you want to build the relationships which allows you to get better results from people, then you do have to be real and you have to put your true self out there. That means not everybody is gonna want to connect with you because obviously we're all different. Not everyone's gonna like the real version of you, but it means that the people that you do connect with are gonna have a deeper connection with you and you're gonna be able to have a better working relationship anyway. So this character that you were playing when you first went out there and you had these assumptions about, you know, what being a business person means, it made sense given the corporate world that you came from, but actually it wasn't going to get you the results that you wanted because it, it was, it was preventing you ironically from building the connections you wanted to build.
1: Yeah. And eventually it, you know, I probably would have got work eventually, but it would have also been with very dull people like me. Well, like I was <laughs> at that point, or pretending to be at that point, Yeah, uh, yeah I'd yeah. Like, like to reaffirm now that I'm not dull. Just to, just to clarify.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's official. So yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense because obviously if you go out there presenting a certain version of yourself, it's like if you're um, you know you're dating like in, in the dating world or something. If you mm. present, pretend to be a certain version of yourself that you're not, then obviously you're going to attract somebody that's incompatible and it's the mm. same in business isn't it? If you're you know censoring yourself or you're hiding certain parts of yourself or whatever, Within reason, of course. Like, I don't think we can be a hundred percent open completely, necessarily, depending on what's going on inside of us. But anyway, if you um, if you present a certain image to the world, well, you're going to attract something that responds to that. And so, in a business sense, that's just going to lead to you getting clients that are not authentic to you, anyway. And then the world is the work you do is going to be unfulfilling, and it's just going to be another kind of wage cage because you're still being um, Less real than you could be,
1: yeah, absolutely, and it's something that i've I've realized the further I've gone on in business, the importance of relationships and and you know nurturing those relationships i I work with people now that I met on networking a couple of years ago, and to start with, you know I, I'd never met them before, I'd never done business with at that point anyone before um and now. It's really not like work when we when we do stuff together, yes, they pay me at the end of the at the end of the job, but we're compatible business and I would say most of them friends now because you know they're they're on the same wavelength they're a bit like me i'm a bit like them, and it's it's just better
0: that way mm. so that ultimately means that your um decision on the crossroads to take this kind of active path and to go into uncertainty and find out who you are it allowed you to increase awareness of yourself so you could do something with it. But then on a the next level of that is that you've been able to find a tribe of people that are more aligned with the real version of you as well. So, you, you know, your true values, true intentions, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Someone mentioned to me a few months ago about finding your people and I really resonated with that. And it was something, again, I, you know, I'm such a, for want of a better word, noob, when it comes to this, this sort of speak, like, you know, finding your people. And it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, if I can briefly touch, I I started a, a networking group at the beginning of the year for people who work in creative roles, because I was finding it, not finding it difficult to network with just all types of business, but finding it difficult to find the connections that I needed to do business with if that if that makes sense Mm. so I thought well there's got to be again a better way to to do this networking thing so uh, yeah I set up this group for for creatives and it it, it's exactly that thing about finding your people we've not had we we must have had 500 different people come through the doors over over the months and I think maybe two people didn't quite fit in you know and it just goes to show that that there's something about and I don't want to come across as uh, arrogant or, you know, insert offensive swear word here, but, you know, creative people, there's, there's they're, they're operating on a different level. And that doesn't mean higher or lower. It just means there's something different in their brain, I think.
0: Okay. I think we're going to have to pick that uh, to pieces a little bit. So... I totally agree with you. Like, I think it's true for me. Like the whole point of this podcast obviously is that creativity is a vehicle for bringing the real self to the surface ultimately. Right. That's the, the short version. Mm. I think when you live like that, it actually does allow you to kind of level yourself up, um, in basically all, all areas. I know that, that, that's me sounding arrogant and, you know, insert swear word. <laughs> but it's it's very true because I think the more real we are, the more equipped we are to handle life itself because of what we said about you, you know, going down this path anyway. We can handle uncertainty. We can handle conflict. We can find solutions to our problems instead of just getting caught up in the problems. All these kind of things. We can have better relationships with people. And it's all because we've done that work of looking at ourselves, basically, and our own bullshit and the things that have been holding us back from living in that way in the first place. And I think, you know, you're probably very well positioned to talk about this, if you think about it, because you've had you've had contact with all these creative people in your networking group. What kind of things is it, would you say, that that's made you feel, you know, that they are on a slightly different wavelength or that they've got their shit together or, you know, I can't remember the exact phrase you use, sorry, but what, um, what, is, what qualities or what is it specifically?
1: There's things like I, I've always got ideas going around my head for different projects, collaborations, silly little recordings that I can make or, you know, I've I, I've always been, my head has always been full, shall we say, and I quite often just have to record a voice note or send myself an email just saying, do this at some point. It might get forgotten about, but at least it's the idea is out of my head but something i've noticed from from people i work with there's there's someone specifically that i've got in mind who is constantly coming up with amazing ideas to take her business forward she's a videographer and it it just astounds me that that that, that these almost that these brains exist you know i think i think again because <laughs> coming from corporate i it's very one track you know you get a client bash On to the next project, get another client, move on. There's no real or seemingly no real relationship building. You're always fighting for the next client against the similar companies doing the same thing that you do. Mm. Um, But these, all of these ideas just floating around all the time, why don't we do this together? Why can't we do, you know, I've started something, a project with a photographer, you know, really voice and photo shouldn't go together but there are ways that you can link all these things up and i think it's well the the one that i'm hitting on there is is ideas coming up with ideas for things seems very easy for some or for a lot of creatives
0: Mm. do you think there's something deeper going on so as you were saying that it just made me think again about these two paths that you uh you could have gone down so there's the passive path it goes back to the wage cage and then there's the active one which is has led to to where you are now the main well one of the main differences between those two paths is that the passive path is about remaining closed basically you think you've already got everything figured out you're not necessarily open to new opportunities um etc you've got a scarcity mindset i suppose and then the other path about being active and working with uncertainty and finding your edge and learning who you are, that involves being open. You can only go down that path if you're open. And a theme that's come up, you know, a bunch of times already now on this podcast is that you can't be creative without being open to life. And when you are open, that's when all of these ideas are gonna pop up and you're gonna get new insights and you're gonna break out of the the patterns that are uh, keeping you where you already are. Um, So is there something there to do with openness? Even just in terms of, you know, being in a network and using that to create uh, new opportunities by being open to each other and that kind of thing. Um, what, can, what can you say basically about being open given all of the journey you've been on so far? Yeah, the, the I, I think
1: there, there was a, a book I read a couple of months ago called The Go-Giver. And it's like a, it's a business book, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, termed, yeah. have you read it?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny you said that actually. Like I read it a few days ago, a, a week ago. Mm. But, but one of the guys that wrote it, he's going to be on the podcast in a, a couple of weeks.
1: Really? Um, that? I, yeah. I will, yeah. That that's going to be brilliant then. Because but yeah, it it's
0: an, just, an amazing book.
1: Yeah, just to fill in for the for the, the listeners, it's it's a business book, but it's it's a, the form of a novel, so it's a, a story. You know, it's a narrative thing, um, which actually made it made it much easier for me to read because I'm terrible with books. Um, but the the point in there was that it's being open to opportunity and when I read that I kind of realized that I already was not sorry not in the corporate world but in in my business now and just every time I have a chat with someone my ears are very open to what they're saying and it might not be for an opportunity for me it might be an opportunity for them so I'm always on the lookout for phrases or words that people are saying where I think ah they would work well with so and so and I yeah. think that's probably because a lot of I've done a lot of networking, so I know a lot of people. So I can link these people up now. But just being able to spot these things, I think is something that I've realized that I do quite well. And and back in the day, I never had to do it. I was just do your job, go home, and that's it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's um that's just triggered a whole load of thoughts like in my brain when you were saying that. So this idea that the path you're on is about either being closed or about being open. It does boil down to the idea of kind of giving back to the world as well. So one of the, the other themes that keeps popping up in, in the podcast, and it's in the book as well, actually, that we just mentioned the go-giver is the idea that your real self is actually one of the most valuable things you can give to the world. And so if somebody, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in themselves or trust in them themselves and their ability to take risks and to move forward down that path of learning who they are. If they can't do that, then they actually never find out how much they have to give back to the world around them, or even you know to themselves at some level. But they they don't find out how much they have to give, and if they don't know how much they have to give, well, they just been they end up being stuck in. A mental box inside you know in their relationship with themselves which puts them in the wage cage nothing ever really changes they don't really make any new connections they don't have any new opportunities and it's because they haven't found out who they are when you do find out who you are because you go out there and you live life in this real way that we're talking about then you have more to give to other people um Mm. and that creates more opportunities for you and it has kind of a positive spiral because the more opportunities you're creating in your network well, that levels every everybody up overall, and that levels you up, and is basically just the best way to do things.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a really incredible insight, and and making me think back to you know my previous employment. I, I didn't have to do any of that. I was mm-hmm. just I slotted in, did the work that was asked of me, and and wow. more on occasion, and then so I didn't need to. Or or at that point there was no opportunity for me to to help the world on a wider level and and I didn't even see it because yeah I was in in this box that you do this you do that you go home and you come back the next day and you do this and you do that again
0: yeah like it's, it's kind of crazy in a way like the wage cage is in a way it makes you more selfish which I it sounds kind of weird saying it like that because you know, you, the assumption is that people don't really want to be in the wage cage and that, you know, they're just trying to survive, which you can't fault them for. But actually the way that you end up there is because you don't believe in yourself and you don't trust in yourself. And if you don't believe in trust, then yes, you can't do all the things that you just said, which is, you know, create opportunities for other people, give something back, whether it's your creative work or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And so actually even though society is structured around the majority of people being in the wage cage, the best thing you can do as a human being, or one of the best things you could do to give back is to find a way to escape the wage cage. I think, because then you're living up to your true potential and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm being idealistic. I don't know, but I personally, that's, that's how I see things.
1: There was a a word you used at at the beginning of that, uh, little speech, I don't want to call it a speech, the little, the last bit that you said um, was um, was selfishness or selfish. And mm-hmm. I very much the I, re- I remember the conversations before we had our, had our kids. And I always thought that, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not ready for kids. I don't want kids yet. And I, I've always said that I, at that time I was too selfish to have kids because I wanted to do stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether that's because... I was so in the zone of I've worked hard for that money that someone else has given me to do a job for them. That's my money. You know, it's going Mm. to pay for me to do stuff. Um, and now I'm earning Mm. money directly for myself off of my own back using my own skills to create stuff. Mm. And we've got kids, you know, Mm. there's, I think there might be something in that.
0: Yeah. So what, 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 specifically do you think like it's to do with
1: i i think i I think it was because like the the selfishness was that's my money i've worked Mm -hmm. for that money really you know on behalf of someone else maybe there was a disconnect between or sorry very connected to that that sort of path of i do the work the boss sees that i do the work he pays me (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, and, yeah, yeah. And, and therefore there's nothing outside wow. of, of that sort of yeah, yeah, link yeah. set. Whereas now yeah. I'm yeah. earning money off of my own back and there's no one else in that chain. Well, apart, you know, the client, obviously, but it's, I'm going to get that client. I'm doing the work for that client. I'm getting paid by that client. Hmm. Um, And, and wow. therefore that money is now I'm, I'm, f- I'm, I'm freer to do or to, to see that money as my own directly my own, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. But another thing that you can get from that, which kind of brings a lot of this stuff together, is that when you were in the the wage cage, the relationship that you had with other people and with money, I guess, in this sense, was transactional. It was just a transaction. So you, you sell your time, you do certain tasks, the boss gives you money, and then that's basically the extent of it. But now that you've you know gone down the path, the active path, as we keep calling it, it's not about the transaction necessarily as much as it is about the relational stuff. It's more to do with relationships than transactions. Mm. Because, because you're more open, the way that you're making money now isn't just about the transaction of selling your time for money. It's about building relationships with your clients, getting out there building relationships with other people creating opportunities with people in your network for people in your network it's all about the relationships and that's because you've opened up basically
1: yeah and a definite contrast between um, cold and coldness and warmth i think like the the relationship with corporate is very cold and mm, mm doing stuff for yourself, building those relationships. Because dire- I never had to build relationships with anybody in, mm. in my previous positions. Whereas now, you know, it's very warm, very welcoming and very open to building relationships and friendships with people um, because it will benefit everyone involved in my circle.
0: Mm. Do you think it's fair to say that actually this journey you've been on is ultimately just about rehumanizing yourself? You've become more human...
1: Yeah, I think so. There was, a, when I, when I was in, in bands, I guess I always thought that that was, that was the true me, you know, performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really at the end of the day, I was thinking, oh, I've got to go, you know, driving back from Manchester at, you know, at three in the morning or whatever, thinking oh, I've got to go to work in the morning and still stuck very much in that thinking about work, thinking about performing for, uh, sorry, performing at work for other people. Um, and. Could you sorry could, oh, I rambled a bit then could you repeat the
0: yeah sorry so uh, just as you describe some of these things that you've been through and you know you were saying ultimately life has become a lot warmer it's warmer, yeah. and in the corporate world it, you know it was quite cold it was stale, stagnant whatever it was my question is, do you think ultimately this journey that you've been on is just about becoming rehumanized? It's almost like you've reclaimed your humanity. Whatever that yes. might mean.
1: Yeah, like, I, I do, and and heavily because of the relationships I've built. You know, my yeah, yeah, my my family life is better. I get on with people in my family better. I am. I, I talk to strangers. You know, I, I think I said at the be, near the beginning I I was shy, but I will think nothing of now. Just if I'm standing in the queue at a shop talking to someone, mm. talking to the to the cashier. You know, I, I used to hate not hate, but just feel yeah. very uncomfortable with talking to strangers. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's really improved as well. I've just become more personable and happy to, to meet and talk to people.
0: Mm. Like human beings, you know, we're tribal creatures. Aren't we? And mm. the weird thing is that I think in the wage cage, even though there's, there's a load of people there, it's not necessarily a real tribe. A lot of people are just there, you know, because of necessity, like we keep saying, Mm -hmm. they're there because they need to pay the bills. And so they're not actually with their tribe, they're just with a bunch of people that they're getting paid to tolerate. And so Mm -hmm. when you, you know, step up and you leave that situation, it opens you up in the way that you found out to find your real tribe, real relationships, people that are on the same wavelength, that share your values, that help each other grow, to create opportunities together, all that kind of stuff, it's very human. And I think what I'm starting to realize now in this conversation is that the wage cage, you know, it's not really a a new thing now that I've said that, but the wage cage is actually a very dehumanizing place to find yourself, but it's Mm -hmm. become the norm. And so because of that, a lot of people, they have actually lost touch with their true humanity, their true you know, human spirit, whatever you want to call it, they've lost touch with that side of themselves. And creativity is actually a way to get back to that. It's a vehicle for, you know, allowing the, the humanization of the, the self once again, something like that, deconditioning. Yeah
1: and, yeah, and I think a lot of people just don't just don't realize that. I didn't realize it until the situation was forced upon me, you know, by redundancy. Mm. But I can very much remember you know, going into offices with 300 people in there. And, you know, you could probably confidently say that 90% of those people didn't want to be there. They would have preferred Mm -hmm. to be somewhere else if they really admitted it to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from the bosses who were the ones reaping the most rewards.
0: Yeah, yeah. With all this stuff that we're saying about, um, you know, being open and riding through uncertainty and learning about who you truly are and all these kind of things, excuse me, are there any lessons from being a voiceover artist itself that apply, that 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 applies to? So this creative attitude that we're talking about, does it apply to, to, you know, what you do, your bread and butter now? So I suppose what I'm saying is a lot of people, they might just think that being a voiceover artist means you get a script, you see what it says, and then you come up with some kind of funny voice or whatever it is, and then that's the extent of it. But is, is that necessarily true? Like what's the, what's the art in being a voiceover artist? And does it link to this stuff we're saying?
1: Yeah, I, I think it does. There's One of the first things I learned with voiceover was to release your inner child. And what that means is to, to let yourself play. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's sometimes easier to play if you're, you've got a script for a video game and you're the character of a clown or a monster or whatever, you know, you might think that's, that's perfectly sensible that you would be able to play more with that, but wow. it's all about playing with the words, you know? So even if I get a script for, um, I don't know, wow. I did a script for a, a Will Writers the other day, um, and you might think that's, you know, that's very straight, morose mm-hmm. sort of, t- you know, uh, sad sort of stage of life to 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 do a video about um and yes it was a very quite an emotional video I was playing a character of someone who was who was dying but it allowed me to be creative in how I was saying the words you know what emotions to tap into mm. um and it's not just a case of informing people of what the will writer does you know you have to you have to connect with with people and that comes from knowing where Mm -hmm. to place emphasis or which emotion to use or where to go up and, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying it obviously, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's very much a creative process. I have to really think about what I'm doing with those words before and during the job to, to, to get the end product.
0: Mm. And again, like, interestingly, that comes back to you being able to relate to people ultimately. So that, like you just mm. said, the whole, the whole point of the voiceover script or whatever it is, is to connect with people. And so mm. if you still have that mindset, you know, the selfish mindset, whatever you want to call it, where you're stuck in the wage cage passively, well, that means ultimately you have a, a flawed, shall we say, relationship with yourself, which is why you're in the wage cage, because you don't trust and believe in yourself. And by extension, your relationship with others isn't as deep as it can be. So by you taking the path that you've taken, you've cultivated a better relationship with yourself, and that allows you to probably have more empathy or compassion or whatever it is that you need to be able to connect with other people through the voiceover. So it all kind of feeds into itself. That's
1: that's really interesting. I'm I'm thinking back towards, obviously, when I started voiceover, I, I never... Actually, I think I just mispronounced voiceover there. I'd like to correct myself <laughs> before anyone picks me up on it. Voiceover. There we go. When I first started, I'd never done it before, but every now and then I listen back to to some other stuff. And yes, I was being taught what to do, but you can hear that there's there's a disconnect between me and the words. I'm I was very much just saying stuff, whereas as time goes on, and I'm picking up on a lot on what you what you just said about mm-hmm. building relationships and becoming open and being able to connect better with people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's obviously helped with voiceover because I, I'm connecting with people every day on networking events, podcasts, mm-hmm. just going out and having lunch with people. Whereas when I first started voiceover, I knew literally nobody mm-hmm. to talk to in, in business. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So I suppose if you were um, still the shy version of yourself, doing the voiceover artistry that you now do Mm. probably like this is just me making a huge assumption but probably it would be very abstract and conceptual the way that you approached um creating the voices and all that kind of stuff but now because you are you know more skilled at relating to people and you know understanding i suppose people emotionally and all, all the kind of things you need to understand to have good relationships it's made you better at the job,
1: yeah, I think so. I think there's probably two things that were that that were sort of holding me back at the beginning was the shyness, yeah. and like my very structural corporate roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was I was probably looking at things analytically rather than creatively mm-hmm. an- analytical. If that makes sense, you, know, I still yeah, have yeah. to anal- analyze scripts, but I now know how to, mm-hmm. you know, play with that script rather than just say that script.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%, that makes sense. So I, I always think you need to, to align your head and your heart to get the best results creatively. Mm. Earlier on, on the you know in the earlier stages of the journey, if you were shy and all that kind of stuff, probably you would have been stuck in your head. So it would have been abstract and all the things you just said because shy people are ultimately shy because they're holding themselves back with their own, I suppose, judgments of themselves and their perceived... Mm-hmm. Judgments of other people. So, as you've gone through this process, you've basically improved your relationship with judgment or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I I look back, always mention this example that I think highlights what what you just said. And when I first started, voiceover artists have to do auditions to get jobs, like, you know, much like actors will do. Mm -hmm. And the first auditions that I was doing, I was taking five, six hours to do one audition. Wow. Whereas now it's fifteen minutes, yeah. you know, at, yeah. at most, and because at the beginning I was striving for this perfection level that I was never going to reach, not because mm-hmm. of lack of skill or anything like that, but because you know when you strive for perfection, you're always pushing that bar further and further away as you try to mm-hmm. grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the shyness thing, I probably wasn't letting myself go enough in mm-hmm. the scripts, and mm-hmm. that made me sound probably a bit bored and disconnected and disengaged. Mm. And and obviously for the, for the audience that was, you know, that doesn't sell anything.
0: Mm. It, it comes back to the, um, the giving thing again, because actually if you're shy and you're, you're trying to overanalyze everything ETC, well, you can't be spontaneous. And if you're not spontaneous, then obviously you're not going to put your real self into it. And I suppose, you know, I've never done any voiceover work, but if with any art, really, the only way you're going to be able to make a connection, whether it's through a character or anything, is that you're going to give something of your real self. So the deeper Mm -hmm. you go into yourself, the more you are going to be able to do that. And actually, you don't need to spend hours analyzing that in advance. It's something that can only happen in the moment, which means you've got to get to that place where you can be spontaneous and be free and let yourself give what you've got to give
1: yeah, there, there's absolutely a lot of giving of your own experiences and mm-hmm. memories and things in voiceover. So if, I don't know, if, if I was doing a, a, a Christmas script for, a, I don't know, something to do with Christmas, you know, I would think of the times when I was growing up, opening the door, seeing all those presents, thinking, wow, Father mm-hmm. Christmas is real, you know, that sort of thing, those warm sort of exciting times. And you draw on things from within and in your mind and that sort of thing to, to Really bring that emotion across.
0: Wow! And you, you can only do that if you've done this work of getting in touch with yourself in the in the way that you have done. One thing that I mm. thought was really interesting is what you were saying at the start of your voiceover journey. You didn't let yourself play, and actually, yeah. if you think about this, the overarching theme of this conversation that is ultimately it: let yourself play because you were mm. you've gone from this kind of rigid, non-fun sort of existence in the wage cage. But then you, you reach that crunch point and you said to yourself, right, I'm going to let myself play. I'm going to see what happens. And then all of the things that come with that, trusting in yourself, believing in yourself, exploring, experimenting, ETC, that put you on the path to finding out who you are so you can give more and then you know get better results from your work, but then also connect to other people and just live a better life overall all because you made that decision to follow your creativity where it was going to leave you, lead you Yeah.
1: no that's that's really interesting and and at that point you know i think i've mentioned i i didn't know i was or i'd never considered myself creative mm-hmm. so it's also something that i've grown into over time is realizing you're a creative person or you wouldn't be doing this
0: yeah 100%. You know, you will come out with
1: all these all these ideas for things but that the thing about let yourself play you know uh, that that's not just for for voiceover it's for for anything you know when you're talking to people mm. just be normal be natural play have a laugh with them mm. just play you know all obviously if you have a very professional client that you need to deal with might not be appropriate but just be just let go a little don't feel you know when we're working for ourselves we shouldn't be restricted by what other people expect us to do
0: mmm I think um, that's ultimately what it all comes down to. I think if you let yourself play with life, if you let yourself have fun, if, if you don't take everything so seriously, then you end up on the path that you actually want and need to be on, which is this path towards the real version of yourself, because that's always going to be on the real path. But then that next level of connecting to the world on a deeper level and you know, giving something that allows you to connect to people, um, that share your values and all that kind of stuff. Um, we've nearly reached an hour. So I suppose we need, need to wrap it up. I think this conversation has been a really um, a really good template, like I said earlier on, I guess. So I suppose I met my expectations, but a really good template of this journey that p- people can find themselves on, where you, you either keep getting the same old thing because you keep thinking the same old thing And getting the same old results, or you take a leap of faith and you go out there and learn who you are and what you're capable of. And I think if you trust and believe, and you stay grounded in yourself, and you give what you find, probably it will work out. And if it doesn't, well, at least you'll have become more real, and you'll probably be happier anyway. Have you got any final words or anything like that that you'd like to share? And um, can you tell people where they can find you as well, if they want to connect with you or? get some voiceover work or anything
1: like that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd just like to say that I think just just try stuff. You know, if you don't try it, you'll never know. And mm-hmm. if, if I'd have known that earlier on in my, when I was in the cage, um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't regret, and I, I don't like to regret anything that I've ever done, but if I'd have known that sooner, it, it mm-hmm. you know, my life would have been better sooner. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is the most thought-provoking and insightful conversation on a podcast i've ever had so yeah it's been really really good and i'm, I'm my brain is probably going to hurt tonight but um yeah to, to to get in touch it's just martinwiskin.co.uk that's my website or you can find me on
0: linkedin brilliant well i'll put that in the uh, show notes i'm glad you uh, did find this insightful because i really did too so thanks mm-hmm. again for sharing your story and um yeah that's it thank you so much cheers mate thank you very much see you